All right. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Roscoe's Wetsuit Podcast. I have a special guest with me on the show today. Uh, we have Dave Jackson. Dave is a podcast expert with 10 plus years of experience. He's been podcasting since 2005, actually. He's an award-winning Hall of Fame podcaster with thousands of episodes under his belt. And his school of podcasting show with almost 2 million downloads was the first podcast about podcasting. And he was the first person to start a website dedicated to helping people launch successful podcasts. Um, he has also uh, other points of interest include he's been a featured keynote and breakout speaker, author of the book, More Podcast Money. He's served as the director of podcasting for the New Media Expo. He's been featured in Parade and Rolling Stone magazines and also a contributing writer for Podertainment magazine. I uh, probably butchered that name, Podertainment. It's it's actually, it's it was Pottertainment. Pottertainment. I just realized, I'm like, I need to update my bio on that website because that's actually gone. I now do writing for the Podcast Business Journal. So, Interesting. Okay. So I want to hear kind of about what, what originally drew you into this whole field of podcasting. My background is I'm a, I, I taught technology for like 20 years in the corporate world. So a lot of Microsoft Office and QuickBooks. And I mean, I've been around so long, I actually used to teach people how to send email because they didn't know what it was. So it's, it's I've been around a while. And so I was already teaching people how to build websites and things like that. So I was involved with that. And I had a, a newsletter for musicians. That's another one of my hobbies. And uh, a friend of mine had been to this big marketing thing. He said, Hey, and again, it tells you how long ago this was. He goes, you know how you missed the MySpace boat? And I was like, yeah, yeah, don't rub it in. He goes, I've seen the next big thing. Uh, and I go, what is it? And he goes, podcasting. And I remember I Googled it and there was one and a half pages. That was it. And I was like, wow, I've, I've never seen the internet not come back with, with actual results. And there was just a few of them. And I was like, huh. But once I, I realized what it was and I kind of pieces parted one together, I was like, oh, this could be really cool because now I'm, you know, being a musician, you were kind of always trying to get on the radio. And I was like, well, never mind radio. I can actually get to somebody across the planet now because uh, it's global. So that's, it's really, it kind of scratches all of my itch. It's, you can be as creative as you want because there's no FCC. It's kind of geeky. Uh, so I'm still doing website kind of stuff. And the fact that I could then help people, because again, my teaching background, I was like, this is really, I just, I grabbed my flag and planted it as deep as I could. I was like, I think I found my calling. Right, right. And this was what year? When, uh, 2000, when, yeah, 2005. 2005, is, okay. Yeah, so, so. So you were, so, I mean, after your friend kind of told you about it, so you're relatively pretty early adopter as far as the podcasting goes. Yeah, I, I started listening at the end of 2004 and then launched my first one in April of 2005. So yeah, at that point, there were, you know, maybe 100 podcasts at the time. It was, it was really new. Did you sort of see the vision? Did you believe that it really was going to be as your, your friend had sort of guessed the new MySpace? Did you, did you see it becoming this popular? Yeah, I saw it because of the global reach. And I was like, once we can get it easier, because you, the reason 
in, in the early days of podcasting, the people that were into it were old white guys that were into technology because you had to be kind of a geek to figure out how to listen to one. There was no Apple podcast yet uh, and all the things we have now. And I was just like, man, if we could make this easier, this could be huge just because of the reach and the fact that it's, you know, be free to do whatever you want. And I was like, this, this could be huge. So yeah, I kind of knew it was going to blow up. I just would have liked to have had it blown up much quicker, but <laughs> the first like 2005 to 2010 was just painful because you'd go to people like, do you listen to podcasts? And they were like, do I need an iPod for that? I'm like, no, you just need the internet and ears, you know, kind of thing. And, and, you know, and then that's why it was so great when Apple came on board and they, they put podcast into to to iTunes, which is now Apple Podcasts, and they came out with the iPod. The fact that I mean, before then, I had this little thing called an iRiver, about the size of my thumb, and I would have to download my podcast in this archaic software, and then I would plug in this little portable MP3 player, and it would show up like a hard drive. So I'd have to go grab my MP3 files and manually drag them on, and then unplug it, and I could listen to it in my car where the iPod came out and you basically just plugged it in. It launched iTunes and went out, grabbed your new podcast, automatically added it. And all you, you know, while you're in the shower, it's updating your iPod. You come back out, you unplug it and you're good to go. And then when uh, later, when they added it to the iPhone came out, now I don't have to go back home to get a podcast. I can basically just connect via Wi-Fi and download more shows. So over the years, Apple's been a, a really big part of uh, helping the, just to boost the growth. And then what, what sort of prompted you to want to, uh, you know, start this website to actually help other people um, launch their podcasts? Yeah, I, I had gotten the fun thing about being a trainer is it's a little bit like radio where about every seven years, you basically, in my case, they would hire a bunch of sales guys that couldn't sell training. And instead of getting new sales guys, they would downsize the training department. So about every seven years, I'm like, ah, I got to go get a new job. And uh, so at that time, all the, the marketing gurus were like, podcasting is going to be huge and membership sites are going to be huge. And so I was finding myself looking for a job and I was like, I need something that can bring in income while I go back to school because my original degree was in electronic engineering. I was actually a copier technician that kind of fell into training and I did it for 10 years. But now here I was and I was trying to get a training job, but I didn't have a training degree. And so I, I applied for a few places. They're like, you need a bachelor's degree in education. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm going back to school. And so I had seen so many things that had come and blown up and I'd missed like MySpace and a couple other things. And everybody was like podcasting membership sites they are going to be big. And I was like, all right, I'm going to quit letting things pass me by. I'm going to jump on this one and see what can happen. So I started a membership site about podcasting and the rest is history. So that's what kind of got me up and going. Okay. And I'm curious to hear your take on it. Uh, it's actually funny timing because I just interviewed, I just uh, recorded an episode with Andrew Allman of podcastguests.com. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of these questions uh, might be kind of similar, but I'm curious to hear how your perspective differs from his. I wanna I wanna ask you, you know, now that you know you've probably listened to, you know, tons of different podcasts and heard tons of different hosts, what 
to you, what, what makes, you know, a great podcast? Actually, if we could break that question into a couple parts, first, what makes a host a great host? And then what makes a podcast great? Well, I think a great host is somebody who is entertaining in a way. People always go, how long should I make my podcast? And I go, how long can you hold their attention? Because it really boils down to that. There is no such thing as too long, only too boring. There's a, that's a quote from Valerie Geller in a book called uh, Beyond Powerful Radio. So um, I think the host, I mean, a great host is somebody like Jordan Harbinger, who actually reads the book before he interviews the author, and they do the work, and they network with their audience and things like that. And in terms of what makes a good podcast, what I did was I looked at everything I consumed, whether it was TV or radio or a book. I'm like, why do I consume this content? And it all kind of boiled down to it either made me laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain. Because if I'm not doing one of those things, I'm bored. And so if I can make people laugh while I entertain them, or if I can make them laugh while I educate them, or you know, something to tie in emotions. That's really, I think, what, what makes a good podcast. And then as much as people love to make podcasts, and like if I ask somebody, go, who's your target audience? And they go, everybody. And I'm like, nope, not going to work. Because if you just look at that from a music standpoint, and I go, I'm doing a blues podcast. And they're like, okay, is that like electric blues, delta blues? Is it really jazz? Is it because... Like, I love electric blues, but if you make me listen to Delta Blues with some guy from the 30s with an out-of-tune guitar, I will claw my eyes out. I can't take it. So it's you're not going to be everything to everybody. So that's why niche podcasts can do really great. There's a, uh, I think my favorite example of that, there's a guy that does a show about chameleon breeding. And it's he, he sells cages for chameleons, but he has all these tips about how to raise them and things like that. So he's never going to get, you know, thousands of downloads per episode. But the audience he has is like, oh, my gosh, I thought I was the only person that was breeding chameleons. So you end up with a much smaller but a much loyal audience. Right. So, yeah, so that's kind of, you know, it's it really kind of depends, too, because people go, well, how long should my podcast be? And I'm like, well, if it's the busy mom show. It better not be longer than five minutes because what busy mom has more than five minutes to listen to a podcast. And then it, you have to get into why are you doing this? That's the number one question. Why are you doing a podcast? And if you can't answer that question, then don't start a podcast. And then who are you talking to? And then it's a, a, people always say, is it hard to start a podcast? No, I could fart into my phone right now and it'll be on Apple Podcasts next week. Starting a podcast is not hard. Starting a good podcast is hard. And that's where you have to figure out who my audience is and what do I want them to do? So if it's, I'm doing this because I want to get the word out on global warming, that's fine. But if I'm a coach and I want people to hire me to, you know, help them, well, that's a whole different set of content and things like that. So you have to figure out who's my audience and then what do they like and then what do I want them to do? And it's a matter of, okay, they like to talk about this. You know, we could all talk about cat videos forever, but that's not going to put any money in my bank if that's the, the goal of the podcast. So it's kind of tricky when you first start off. And chances are, no matter what you do, when you start off seven episodes later, you're going to change a little bit. Right. I've definitely noticed that. 
Um, I, that actually, what you brought up is actually something I was going to ask you about because I had I was just listening the other day to uh, a segment that you had recorded um, and basically talking about you know finding that that niche and not you know trying to appeal to everyone. I was wanting to know, you know, we, we see certain you know podcasts probably you know most popular one being like Joe Rogan, right, where he's you know interviewing an astrophysicist you know, one day and, you know, a professional MMA fighter the next day, um, very kind of diverse group of guests. Right. And, you know, for my episode or for my podcast, you know, as I was talking to you a little about the show, you know, there's certain people from my area of neuroscience that I'd like to talk to that I have talked to, but also, you know, other interests. And I want to start, you know, hip hop interviewing people in the hip hop music industry. I'm curious, like your take on, you know, do do you, people need to like make separate shows like separate podcasts or do you think yes. it work to do <laughs> no joe rogan like the idea of oh joe rogan can do that because he's joe rogan and i tell this to a few of my clients and they'll come on and i'm like i don't mean this in a you know i'm not trying to be mean or nasty i go but uh you're not joe rogan and joe rogan started off doing comedy in 1988 He's been on TV. He's been on multiple television shows. He's, you know, he's got a huge resume so that he came with an audience and that audience already knows, likes, and trusts Joe. So Joe can kind of do whatever he wants and they will do that. But if you come up and I'm Dave Jackson and I have, you know, four fans and they're called my family, that's not going to work because, you know, if you think about it, I want to talk about NASCAR this week. And then next week, I'm going to talk about veganism. Okay, so now you have to you you go in and I've got my NASCAR people, but now I'm looking for vegan NASCAR people. And then the following week, we're going to talk about death metal. And so it, it's a matter of how can I find people that like all those things. And if you talk to most Joe Rogan people, at least the people I know, they all say the same thing. Yeah, I, I listen to Joe, but I look at who the guest is because not everybody's going to want to talk, you know, uh, whatever it is, WFC, and maybe not everybody's going to want to talk about mushrooms. But, oh, my gosh, he interviewed, you know, whoever. Uh, Adam Curry was on, was the last one I listened to. I was like, oh, I would love to hear that because I can't get a three-hour conversation with Adam Curry anyplace else. When Bernie Sanders was on, I'm like, oh, I'm going to listen to that. But when I hear him talking to insert name I've never heard of, I don't listen to that. But there's enough people that of all these different niches that the people are like, oh my gosh, um, insert super, you know, uh, Elon Musk was on and he smoked pot. Holy cow, that made the internet blow up. So you can do that because he's already got the audience. I'm not sure Joe Schmo podcaster starting off. I want to talk about 37 different topics. There's going to be people that like that because they just, you, you've become a box of chocolates. You know, I'm going to listen to the Dave Jackson hour because you never know what you're going to get. But there are some people that are like, yeah, but I don't know. I'm in the shower. I hit play on my phone and it goes through my speaker and I'm 20 minutes in and I'm like, I can't get out of the shower to change this, but this show is horrible because they're talking about stuff that I don't care about. So it's going to be harder to grow an audience where is if you have a niche audience 
it's going to be a smaller downloads, but they're going to be super duper loyal. Uh, there's a, a show out of New York City called Keith and the Girl. They're, they're friends of mine. They've been podcasting since 2005, and they kind of started off being a morning radio show. They're basically Howard Stern without the satellites. And their audience is so loyal that they've gone from putting the Keith and the Girl logo as a tattoo to where people are now branding the logo on their their body. And I just go, that's a whole new level of, of listener loyalty. That's nuts. I thought the tattoo was bad enough, but they're like, no. And I thought it was like a, you know, like you see in the old Westerns with a, a cow brand and just, and it burns it. And I'm like, no, this is like a tattoo gun or a pen or whatever you use. And you actually burn it into your skin. And I went, nope. I'm like, I love you, Keith and the girl, but I'm not going to let anybody burn my, burn my wow. arms. So. Talk about loyal fans. Wow. Yeah. So, so you can always try it. That's the beauty of podcasting. You know, you can throw it out there and see what happens and listen to what your audience says. But uh, I have a friend of mine that, that tried, he grew up on variety shows. So back in the seventies, the there were Dinah Shore and Flip Wilson and Merv Griffin, and he would have all sorts of different people on from different sizes and shapes. So he tried to recreate that. And he just said, yeah, it's like people didn't want, like one segment would be on music and the next one would be on cigars and the next one would be on vampire books. And he was like, I couldn't find an audience that every week would want to hear egos because they, they would stay tuned in if they liked him. You know, I always say people come for the content, but they stay for the host, but it was hard to get people to tune in because he was kind of all over the place. Makes sense. What about, so, you know, it being 2020 right now, I'm, I'm assuming this probably, you know, changes throughout the years, but in 2020, what recommendations do you have to people uh, to grow a podcast as far as, well, specifically marketing? Um, say the content, you know, is good. What, what are the best ways, uh, you know, because there are clearly, you know, social media marketing, you can advertise yeah. through Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you know, you name it. Where, where do you recommend starting off? I start off, don't promote it yet until you've done this one thing and nobody does this. And this is why people get frustrated. If you think about it, if you're a clothing line, if you're a food store, if you're, you're going to do a focus group, movies do this all the time. TV shows do this all the time. Get a focus group and find out, does this resonate with my audience? Uh, before Star Trek, the original Star Trek, they did a focus group and the original uh, whatever captain was not Kirk and it wasn't um, Shatner. There was another person there and they did a focus group and they're like, yeah, I like that, but that guy's, he's not cutting it. So they got him out in came Shatner and the rest is history. And I think when people ask for feedback, what they're really looking for is they're like, look, this is what I've done so far. Would you please agree I'm on the right path? I don't think they're really looking for feedback. And I get that because part of it is it's kind of your art, man. It's like, I, you know, I just worked three hours on this. I don't want to hear that, you know, when it's like, hey, it's, uh, it's welcome to the Dave Jackson hour. And all of a sudden it's just... And there's music for the sake of nothing. And you're like, well, okay, I'm just sitting here waiting for Dave to come in. And it's just, but then when then finally the audience is like, well, what was up with the 45 minutes of, or 45 seconds of music for the sake of nothing? 
you know, so I see so many people that want to go out and promote. And I'm like, have you done any kind of focus group? And they're like, well, my family. And I'm like, yeah, mom's always going to tell you it's great, honey. You need to go find your target audience and say, hey, I want you to listen to this show and talk about it like I'm not in the room. Because it makes no sense. Uh, marketing is not going to fix a bad show. Uh, Rob Walsh from Libsyn has a great example of this, if you think about it. And I'm not sure, I think this was in the 90s. There was a version of the Lone Ranger at, and it had Johnny Depp in it back when he was at the height of being Johnny Depp. And he played Tonto. And I forget who played the Lone Ranger, but there were Happy Meals, there were toys, there was all the marketing was going great bonkers. And that, I saw that movie. It was not good. And so people coming out of that movie theater were not saying, you got to go see the Lone Ranger. It's great. No, they were saying the opposite. Stay home. This is horrible. Meanwhile, The Sixth Sense, which was almost an independent film by, by uh, M. Light Shyamalan, um, that one, you would come out of the theater and almost want to turn around and go back in and see it again. I don't want to spoil it if you've never seen it, but you learn much more the second time you watch that. And they were like, hey, I want to go see this again. Come with me. So it's, it's, and what is that? That's word of mouth. And according to Jacobs Media, 70% of audience growth is word of mouth. You know, I can be an Apple podcast. That's great. It's also a phone book. I'm in the phone book here in Ohio. I'm not famous because I'm in the phone book. It's a matter of making content that's so good that it inspires your audience to tell their friends. And that's a really interesting statistic about the, how much podcasts grow by word of mouth still, I mean, in this day and age of social media and resharing. And I mean, that's, that's, I think, I think what social media does is it helps your show. If you are constantly growing, if you're growing your Instagram followers and your Twitter and your Facebook, because you say, Hey, episode number six is out. And also that doesn't do much for me. But if I say, you know, uh, in today's episode, we learn how to be more efficient, blah, 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 if there's a benefit, but hey, episode 16 is out doesn't really make me want to click on it. If you think about it, uh, when you start a TV, or a radio, things come out of it. But if you start a uh, some sort of podcasting app, nothing happens. And what makes people click is the headline. And when the headline, the title of your episode is episode 16, you're, you're blowing it. I've seen people triple their downloads by just taking a little extra time to come up with a headline that makes people want to click. So that's, that's part of it. But it's, uh, it's just not enough of, you know, if I put it out there, they will come. And when you, if you're growing your social media, then those people are going to go, oh, I didn't know that he had a podcast. I just started following because I saw him. Whereas if you're not doing that, I think what you're actually doing is you're notifying people who are already listening to your podcast, that there's a new episode. So, which is handy. But I think if you're constantly adding to Instagram and Twitter and whatever else you're on, then it'll actually help your downloads. But if you're not, then it's just a billboard. And then those people go, oh, cool. Because, I mean, on Twitter, I'm not going to sit there and listen to a podcast. I mean, I'm going to, oh, it's a new episode. I'm going to go into Overcast and somebody else is going to go into Apple Podcast and that person's going to go into Google Podcast. So it's more of a billboard that, hey, whatever app you're listening to, you know, go listen. Right, right. Now, uh, sort of a million dollar question here, I'm sure one that you get all the time as far as, you know, with monetizing a podcast and actually making money from it. 
I've, I've read, you know, and seen some different routes as far as, you know, certain people, you know, they don't just have a podcast. I mean, they also have a, other media presences. They write books or, you know, they have some other show or a blog, some other, you know, revenue generating streams. But as far as, you know, can you talk a little about, you know, first, I guess, just making money, you know, strictly off a podcast, but then also, you know, like some other people, like I was just mentioning, kind of other ways to sort of, uh, you know, kind of grow your podcast or use your, your podcast uh, listeners as, you know, customers for whatever yeah. other sort of services that you're offering. Yeah, the uh, I have a book coming out next month. It's a new version, kind of an updated version of more podcast money. It's called Profit from Your Podcast. And I always tell people, you don't make money from your podcast. You make money from the relationship you build with your audience through your podcast. So your podcast is not your business. It's your business card. And that's really what does it. And from there, so many people want to jump on ads. And I get that because we kind of like, well, that's what they do on radio. But the the best way to make money in podcasting is to sell your own product, whether that's a membership site, coaching, book, something like that. Um, you know, there's that. Then you can do, uh, I see some people that do just, gangbusters with affiliate marketing. So that's selling other people's stuff. And I've done four figure checks doing that on the, the right audience for the right product. You can't just say, oh, wow, there's a hundred dollar, you know, uh, affiliate payout if I sell this whatever uh, total gym. Well, except my show's about something else that has nothing to do with gym equipment. So it's the right product for the right audience. Uh, and then there are ads and those ads, typically don't really work for most people unless, again, if you have a niche audience. So let's say you do a show for triathletes. Well, if I'm a, a person that has a product for triathletes, I can advertise in health and men's health and shape and fitness and on the radio, but most of my audience or most of my target audience may not be in those particular places but you have a podcast specifically for triathletes and I have a product specifically for triathletes so you can charge more. So, but the whole like, you know, 30 to $50 per thousand downloads doesn't do much when you're only getting, you know, 125 downloads an episode. And then there's dynamic ads, which is basically, and I can say this cause I grew up on welfare. It's podcast welfare. It's 0. 0.00. Now the last time I checked, that's zero point zero zero one seven cents per download. So I, I had a test show that was getting 4,000 downloads an episode and I was making like $30. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. So there's sell your own stuff, sell other people's stuff, ads, uh, uh, dynamic ads. And then it's just a matter of, for me, it's the, you can actually get free stuff in some cases if you you know how to work with marketing people. But a lot of it is, I have clients of mine that they could care less about their number of downloads. It's the fact that they're growing their network. So I had one guy said, you know, how are your downloads? He's like, ah, they're all right. I'm like, well, how's your, you know, interaction with your audience? Eh, it's, it's okay. And I'm like, wait, let's go back again. Number one question, why are you doing this? And he said, oh, it's easy. I get to talk to people I have no business talking to. He goes, he goes, if I went to their business and said, hey, can we go have coffee for 20 minutes? They'd be like, no way. But if I say, would you come on my podcast? They come in. So they're, they're growing their, their network that way. So that's, those are, and 
those are the ways you can do that. And most people have multiple options of that. So they're doing, they're selling some of the, like they have a course or a book, but they also do affiliate marketing and then they might have ads and then there's always crowdfunding. And I always point out to people things like Patreon and things like that. The, the word is crowdfunding. So you have to have a crowd first. And so many people start a podcast and want to quit their day job in six weeks. And in my interviews of talking to people who are actually like making some bank with a podcast and nobody wants to hear this, it's three years, three years of really pounding it, promoting it and making content that's so good. Your audience can't help but share it with other people. And nobody wants to hear that. They just want to start a podcast. They want to burp into their phone, use a free media host and go, well, how come people aren't banging on my door? And I'm like, cause your show is awful. So, and, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, if you want to have a hobby podcast where you and the guy you grew up with in high school, talk about formula one racing, by all means do that, but don't expect it to be a business, you know, and, and people always ask, well, you know, can you make a living with a podcast? And I'm like, can you make a living as a writer? Maybe. Can you make a living as a singer? Maybe. What about a musician? Maybe. What about an athlete? Maybe. But you got to work at it. You got to be focused. You got to be dedicated. There's no rule that says just because I started a podcast, I can make a living at this. It takes a lot of work. Right. I'm curious, have you, uh, are you familiar with Tim Ferriss's book, Tool of Titans? I have. I haven't. I've read uh, The 4-Hour Workweek, but I have not. I've just heard people say that's a great reference book because he has different topics in it. And I actually mentioned Tim in the Profit From Your Podcast book because uh, Tim uses a $70 microphone and records on the kind of island in the middle of his kitchen. And I go, so you don't have to spend, you know, $3,000 worth of equipment. It's not the, the equipment, it's the content that makes people talk about it. Right. I Where I was going with that, as far as like the, the book is sort of a synopsis or it's kind of like, you know, broken into like, you know, two page sort of summaries of each <laughs> podcast. It's sort of a best of, you know, summarization of each uh, podcast episode or each, each uh, you know, person that he's had on the podcast. Oh, nice. And I, I thought it was just a really interesting model um, I'm not sure if other, you know, I assume other people have copied it, but just as far as kind of taking, taking the podcast and kind of converting it, you know, um, you know, to sort of an ebook or, or book, regardless, what's, what's your take on that? I've seen people do that where they will do like we're right now we're on zoom. They'll take the uh, video and put it on YouTube. They'll strip out the audio, they'll edit it and put it out as a podcast. And then, yeah, if, again, always comes back to value. If there's something of value that we're talking about, they can take that, transcribe it, um, put it into an ebook. I've known a few podcasters that have done that. They'll take the first hundred episodes and take the best episodes, transcribe it, uh, which is always fun because we don't talk like we write and we don't write like we talk. So that is a lot of work, by the way. And uh, they'll turn around and try to sell that. So uh, it's always an option. And the great thing about podcasting is you are a hundred percent in control. So one way to, you know, if you're a cook and you come up with a new recipe, there's only one way to know if it's good and that's to cook it and feed it to somebody. So uh, that's where you basically say, well, let's try this as an ebook and you put it out there and see who bites. Do you have any specific tips on 
um, reaching out to to potential guests as far as anything that you know say say how about for yourself as far as you know I'm sure you get a bunch of these invites to do shows you know what how do you sort of um, you know choose which ones that you do choose which ones you don't and and what do you think as far as talking to other you know um, both both podcast hosts and and guests what what makes a good pitch to come onto a podcast? It doesn't take much. It's this much. The problem is it takes that much time. And that is a little bit of homework. I just had somebody email me like two minutes ago that said, blah, blah, blah. I see you do guest posting. I don't do guest posting on my website. So that's a form letter. And I get these all the time. Uh, if, if, if they say my name, many times it's just, hello, I love your podcast, to which I mm -hmm. want to go, A, my name's Dave, I say at the beginning of every one of my episodes, and B, which one, I've got about seven going right now. So it's, it's do some homework. So I had a New York Times bestseller that's coming on next month, and I, I proved to her that I listened to her podcast. I proved to her that I actually bought her book and uh, read it, and then I took a screenshot where I wrote a review on Audible saying how much I love the book. And so just by doing that, and again, you don't have to read the whole book, just proving that you've done your homework and saying, hey, I see your expertise, here's my audience, and this is why you're such a great fit, because you can come on and talk about this, my audience is going to love it, yada, yada, yada. And just, just a little bit of homework to prove I know who you are. You're not just a pulse. I want you on my website, you know, on my podcast. So that's the one that if I, and I, and the other thing I always think it's hilarious is they talk so much about them. Like I do this podcast. I, I go to school both ways uphill in the snow. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. That's all about the host. It should be the other way around. Hello. Thank you so much. I've, I've, I've listened to your podcast and because and now I'm going to prove I listened to you. I heard you talk about this on episode 36. I really love this, blah, 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 blah. I would love to talk about this, but maybe in a different direction. Again, this much proof that I've actually done more than spit in, you know, 50 different email addresses. And now I'm going to spit out, you know, I call it spray and pray. And everybody loves to do that. And on occasion, if you get me on a cranky day, my favorite was I had somebody that sent me a thing on how this person who talks about real estate would be a great fit for my show about podcasting. And I went over and the person didn't even have a podcast. And I just, I emailed that person and I said, Hey, just so you know, whoever is pimping you is an idiot because they're, they're, you're, you're spending money on this person to promote you in places like no offense to you. I'm sure you're a great real estate person, but you have no business being on my show. You would bring zero value. So you're paying this person to promote you in places that is not going to get you any traction as a real estate person. So, and that's where I think some people, uh, I just talk about just do the work, just do the little bit of work. So many people want to do a transcript and throw it up as their show notes. Well, have you ever read a transcript? They're horrible because we don't talk like we write, we don't write like we talk. So you have to whip that into something to read, but most people just go, no, transcript, it's, it, you know, it's, I'll use this free thing that's you know, 80% accurate. Well, that means every 100 words, you're changing 20. 
And we're all looking to do as little as possible to get as much out of it. And I get that. Who doesn't want to do as little as possible? But there are times that I'm just like, come on, you got to do a little bit of work. So that's, and it will, it will set you apart like nobody's business if you show you did this much homework. And again, we're, we're talking just that much. And so it sounds like kind of, you know, doing your homework and also just personalizing the pitch. So yeah. That, yeah. I'm curious as far as, you know, with, with all of the podcasts, you know, what, what do you think uh, sort of gives a podcast sort of that endurance to, to sort of, you know, I was talking to Andrew, uh, Andrew Alleman a few days ago, and he was saying that, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the shows, a lot of the people that he talks to, it, it tends to be like 10 episodes that, that people will record, you know, and people will be super into it up until like, you know, around 10 episodes. And then they just, he was saying they just kind of go away. They magically disappear into thin air. What, what sort of makes a podcast long lasting? It's the passion. It's, do you have a topic that you just have to talk about? Uh, I just interviewed uh, Glenn and Jamie from the Horse Radio Network. They have 2,500 episodes of Horses in the Morning. It's a 90-minute show. They do five days a week. That's an insane schedule and an insane amount of stuff. And in talking with Jamie, she said, look, I've loved horses since I was two. I was looking for a pony under my Christmas tree. And she went on for about a good minute on just how much she loves horses. And I took that clip and I play it for people. I'm like, this is, this is what you want to be. But if your goal is, I want to start a podcast and I want to make money as quickly as possible, don't. Just don't. Because it's a long game. It takes a while to do that because you have to monetize your audience and it takes a while to do that. And so that's part of it. And then just, uh, I guess, the longevity is it's just, a, I, I guess it comes back to, again, passion. For me, I'm lucky. I love podcasting. And about the time something will happen in the news, Spotify will spend way too much money for a company. Uh, that, that gives me something to talk about. And then somebody will come out with a new product. It's like, wow, look at this new hardware. It does this and this and that. So there's always things to talk about that stops it from being burnout. And plus I'm living, breathing, and, and almost bathing with my audience. So I'm always hearing about stories of people that, oh, I did this and this happened because of my podcast. That always makes, kind of puts gas in my tank that I see, yes, this is working, what I'm talking about and things like that. But um, I, I think a lot of it is people have the wrong expectations. They start off and they think, oh, I'm going to start off and I'm going to get thousands of downloads. And by episode 10, they're up to maybe, I mean, I just started about three months ago, a show about Akron, Ohio, because I wanted to do a local show. And I think I'm up to 30 downloads an episode. And, and for the record, I'm about burnt out on that because it turns out I don't have a lot of passion about Akron, Ohio. Uh, I did this as an experiment and it's kind of like, man, it's a lot of work and it's hard to find happy stories and things like that. So I don't see this podcast going, mm, it, depending on what it's doing. And I started it because I wanted to promote myself locally as a podcast expert, but the whole Akron aspect, I'm kind of like, yeah, it's like, Hey, guess what? More people, you know, we have more protests in the streets. That's the other thing I started and then COVID hit. So all the, all the things I wanted to do of interviewing local businesses and 
finding all the things that people didn't know about Akron, Ohio, and I can't do it because I can't talk to anybody. You know, I can do it over the phone, I guess. So, but that's a lot of it. It's just having a passion. I, I always kind of make a joke. I, uh, when I was married, I had a stepson that was 16 and he wanted to get his license like nobody's business. And every time I walked in the door, he'd be like, can we go driving? Can we go driving? Can we go driving? And that's all that kid thought about was when can we go driving again? And I say, so when you start a podcast, you need the passion of a 16 year old trying to get their license when you first start out, because it is soul crushing that you spent four hours on that first episode and nine people listen to it. 10, if you count, you know, cousin Ernie. And that's why I think some people start out or there's a, uh, a service called anchor that will say, we're going to get you sponsors as soon as you, you will make money from day one. They never say how much though. And you basically get paid a penny a download. Okay, so if I got my 30 downloads, I made 30 cents. And it took me four hours to make 30 cents. And I really thought if I just started and, you know, me and and Charles have known each other since we were in fourth grade and we're hilarious. I mean, you remember the thing with the orange Gatorade? Orange Gatorade! <laughs> and nobody gets the inside joke. And so nobody tells a friend about the orange Gatorade story because we don't get it. And so that person does about 10 episodes they're getting 15 downloads. They're like, well, where are we going to spend our dollar 50 from the month? And they quit. Interesting. Uh, change the subject a little bit. I wanted to ask you uh, about when you have, uh, what, what's your take on having multiple guests on an episode? Do you think it works if you record, you know, an episode like a sort of a round table deal or, or just, you know, two guests, three guests? What's your take on, on doing multiple guests? It's, it's a skill. Anytime you add something new, you, it's a different skill. So number one, you have to start, you have to be the, um, I want to say admin, but that's not the right, you're the moderator. So you have to kind of direct the traffic. You have to make sure because somebody's going to be the, whether they want to do it on purpose or not, somebody's going to be the, the mic hog and not give up the mic. So you have to politely cut in there. And so you're going to have to say things like, Let's talk about such and such topic, 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 question, question, question. Steve, what do you think about that? And you have to kind of direct traffic and things like that. And it's weird because the moderator often doesn't get to say much. Their job is just directing traffic. So it's a skill. And I think you have to be careful. The more you add, because you want to be a good moderator and get everybody involved in the conversation. You also have to be careful that you don't have four people that think the exact same thing. I mean, if you do a movie review and they're like, Hey, what did you guys think of the new top gun movie? I loved it. Great. Stacy, what did you think? I love it. Great. What about you, Mark? I loved it. Well, that's boring. You know, if you think about it, Cisco and Eber back in the day worked because they usually didn't agree with each other. And then it was a, a conversation. So, it can be interesting, but the other thing you have to think about, the more people you have, the more schedules you have to uh, coincide. I, I did a podcast years ago called uh, Today in Podcasting, and one guy was on the West Coast, one guy was in the middle, and I was on the East Coast, and we so we had four different time zones. So I was always the guy like recording podcasts at 11 o'clock at night because it was 8 o'clock on the West Coast. So that can get kind of tricky. And then you have people from, you know, Australia and all sorts of different countries. So the more you add, the more complex it gets, the more uh, chances are you're going to have somebody who doesn't have decent equipment and they're going to sound like caca 
So it's, um, it's a strategy, but uh, I'm on one. I do a podcast with Ray Ortega called the Podcasters Roundtable. And it's usually me, Ray, and another co-host. And then we bring on like one or two people. So you will end up with like four or five. And Ray is great at being a moderator and getting everybody involved. And we're, we kind of encourage people just to interrupt each other. Interesting. Okay. And Dave, I really want to ask you, since you've sort of been, you, you sort of seen the evolution of, of podcasting, you've kind of been around since, you know, uh, very early on where, you know, you've seen the growth. Now, where do you sort of see podcasting going from here? And especially, you know, I think, I think, you know, just the COVID situation has opened up a lot of people's eyes to the, you know, doing something online, whether that be podcasting or, you know, some other form of, of communicating, you know, virtually is super important, you know, at this point. So maybe taking that into account, what, where, where do you see, where do you see it going? Yeah, it's, it's gone up every single year since 2004. Now it's not been massive growth. It's been like four and 5%. I know one year we all got giddy because it was like seven or 8%. We're like, holy cow. Wow. So we would all love see this, this hockey stick growth, but that's just not coming. But on the other hand, it's never gone down. It's gone up every single year. And now we're starting to see other countries start to wake up. Like Brazil is going bonkers over podcasting and uh, Latin America. Uh, I know that we, uh, I work for a company called Libsyn. It's a media hosting company. Uh, and we just paid for a study on basically Latin America and Spanish speaking people. And that is really starting to, to bubble up and, and come through because again, when you get information that you can't get anyplace else, I listened to a, a podcast called No Agenda and the host is Adam Curry, who's one of the guys that actually invented podcasting and John C. Dvorak and they dissect the media and it's not so much Republican or Democrat. They just kind of listen to it and, and kind of most of the time they just follow the money to see really what the story's about. And it's weird because I will watch that or I will listen to that podcast and it actually makes me kind of upset because that's the stuff we should be talking about on the news, but I'll turn on the news and they're talking about Jennifer Lopez's outfit on the red carpet. And I'm like, that's really, I could care less when I find out her congressional dish is a great podcast by Jen Briney, where she used to read all the bills that went through Congress. And that'll make you want to punch something when you find out what your Congress is up to and you turn it on and you find out that, you know, the Kardashians are, you know, going to do a new barbecue sauce or whatever, you know, and you're like, Oh, why, why is that the news? So it's, um, it's going to keep going up. I'll be interested to see, because we've already seen this walled garden thing there was um, Luminary was an app that came on. They burned through about, I think, four or five million now, at least. And they had all these exclusive shows and they got popular shows, got them to come in. Plus they had like Trevor Noah and things like that. But the problem was they also put in everybody else's show. So now it's, again, hard to find the really good shows because search is always hideous on most of these apps. And They're all podcasts? They're all podcasts, and but some of them were like famous people, and you're supposed to pay like seven dollars a month to get access to it. Well, that's a tough road to go. It really is. And so we're starting to see that app after they've burned through millions of dollars start to fall apart. So I'll be interested to. I mean, I'm going to pop popcorn and watch Joe Rogan go to Spotify. I don't know that that's going to work, 
because Spotify right now, the actual podcast listening experience on Spotify is pretty hideous. Uh, there's no, there's no playlist. There's no, it's just not, it's not up to par. And I, I, that's the thing that always blows me away is they're spending millions of dollars on all these acquisitions. And I'm like, can you spend a quarter of that on some developers to actually make a decent listening experience for podcasts? It's great for music, but listening to podcasts on Spotify is hideous at this point. So I'll be interested to see how that works. And, you know, now there's more, there's uh, Apple's going to have a show that's somewhat exclusive to, to their platform. And uh, I think I heard Pandora's working on something and, uh, Amazon's getting into the game. So it'll be fun to, to see, but uh, all in all, it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger. Awesome. Well, Dave, uh, it's been an honor having you on the show today. Um, I'm curious, you know, if our listeners uh, want to get in touch with you or find out more about what you're doing or your guys' content, uh, what sort of resources would, would you direct them towards? Yeah, everything for me, you can just find at schoolofpodcasting.com. You can uh, subscribe to the show there for free. I've got 700 plus episodes uh, going back to 2005. So if you want to learn about podcasting, I got plenty of content to, uh, to chew on. And then again, if you want to start your own, you can sign up and I've got a membership site there that has, uh, we basically have the step-by-step -step tutorials that'll walk you through, but I've also got a private Facebook group that's filled with uh, brilliant podcasting minds to network with. And then I also do a lot of live coaching there. So if you have any questions, you know, you can always contact me via email, but I also do a lot of live stuff just to, uh, sometimes I have to share my screen and things like that. So that's all there at schoolofpodcasting.com. Great. And if, uh, for our listeners, if you guys enjoyed the show today, go ahead and like, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, we're Roscoe's wetsuit on YouTube. And you can also listen to, uh, the audio version of the podcast on Spotify, Apple podcasts and iHeartRadio. So go ahead and check it out, whichever, which way you want. Uh, Dave, again, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hey guys, I hope you liked the episode today. Um, this is just going to be a brief reflection on the episode that I just recorded with Dave Jackson, School of Podcasting. As he had sort of suggested in the show today, um, to do one of these kind of brief uh, discussions of the podcast um, on my end to sort of give my thoughts on how the show went, kind of the biggest sort of things that I learned from the show. So what really stuck out to me about Dave, um, a couple of things that he said as far as the importance of crafting a pitch um, to get other people on your podcast, um, make it personalized. You know, he was saying he gets a lot of, you know, emails that are just kind of very generic, you know, please be on my podcast, blah, blah, blah. Um, whereas what he's saying is basically to try to tailor it, you know, learn something about the specific guests um, before you actually, you know, invite them to be on your show. When you do have them on your show, though, he's saying, you know, make sure that you actually do your homework. He's saying, you know, oftentimes the best, uh, the best podcast hosts actually, you know, read uh, their guest material or watch their videos, get really informed about the guest, and that ends up leading to a lot better, uh, better quality interviews in Dave's experience. So those were a couple of my biggest takeaways from the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And let me know whatever your guys' thoughts are in the comment section. Thanks.